Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Manly Hanley Podcast. This is the podcast with no limits on what we'll cover. I'm your host, Randy. Have a snack, sit back, and relax. This episode was recorded on Sunday, October 17th, 2021. Just before 11 p.m. again. I'm always hitting this late, man. Okay, so today's episode is going to be about cool software that does not rely on the cloud. And I'm not anti-cloud 100%. I am for, you know, software freedom, I guess, having your software that you feel you can own once again and not be controlled by some outside entity that you pay a monthly subscription to. So kind of going in that direction today for the episode. And, you know, the software that you feel you somewhat have control over, um, you know, having it not babysit you, if you will. So, um, yeah, if you've listened to this podcast for the last year or so, you'll probably know by now that I'm not a fan of software with a shutoff switch. That is like, for example, Adobe software, all of it, more or less. Windows, <laughs> you know, the operating system. You know, yeah, you can enter your product key, but it always wants to speak to the manager on the internet at some point or, you know, have you log in with your Microsoft account. That's a thing. If you ever have installed Windows 10, it's like, Hey, log in, log in, log in. You know, we want to connect to your service. Connect to our services. Come on, log in, log in. We found a digital license. Oh, good. We, we will take care of that. We'll hold it in the cloud. We'll store that for you. Uh, I appreciate that, but no thanks. So, you know, here are a few things that I recommend uh, as far as software. Now, some of these were covered in previous episodes, I'm sure, especially like Greenshot. I know I've mentioned that one in the past, but there's going to be a few new ones, I think, that I would not have talked, I have not talked about really. At least a couple. First one's going to be 7-Zip. It's the number 7 and then Zip, Z-I-P. It can extract so many different types of compressed archives. Uh, you know, like WinZip or the compression utility that comes built into Windows 7, 10, whatever. But 7-Zip's better. It, 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 I don't know if it's 30% faster still, but that's what it was at one point than the Windows built-in compression. It's open source, and it can extract many types of files, even like ISOs. So, for instance, when I'm going to reinstall Windows 10 on somebody's computer, I don't go with the update utility. I'm, screw that. What I do is I download the ISO, or I have it on a USB stick, the latest ISO. As of this podcast episode, I think it's 2.1H1 is the latest version of Windows 10. It's the 2021 version of Windows 10. And I download that ISO, which is usually around 5 gigs because Windows is a bloat hog. And then I take... 7-Zip, or if it's already installed, I just right-click on that ISO and extract it to a folder. And then I go in that folder and run the setup file. Of course, after disabling BitLocker or any type of encryption that's been instated on the drive, because you don't want to run into any issues during that install because you'll lose everything. So that 7-Zip, you can, you can see it side-by-side. Side. If you extract with Windows, you know, the, the uh, compression utility takes much longer. Zip, uh, WinZip, I can do a, like a 5-gig zip file in just a few seconds. So that's when I highly recommend and, you know, because if it can work with zip files that big, you're not typically working with zip files that big unless you're zipping up video files, I guess. And, you know, just to keep them in a little 
archive of organization or just a structure, you know, but it's amazing. I highly recommend 7-Zip and just go to 7-Zip.org. I'll have all the links for every one of these pieces of software in the description uh, or the show notes. The next one is GIMP. It's just the, it stands for GNU Image Manipulation Program. And this program has been around for 25 years. I think they're celebrating now. It's powerful and it's completely free. And it doesn't need a resource hogging update service in the background like Adobe does to use to make sure you're paying, you know, the Adobe recurring monthly tax. And of course, it's not going to have quite as much technology as Photoshop, like cutting edge updates like that. But again, it's been around for 25 years and it's completely free. You can look at the source code if you wanted to. I'm not that inclined. It's a lot of work and I don't want to, I have plenty of work to do in my daily life, but it's super powerful. It can do a lot of things that Photoshop can do and it's not freaking expensive and People, I, I've, I've seen people make their show notes with it. Um, I don't know if it's DT, uh, DistroTube. Um, he makes um, some awesome Linux videos, and I think he does everything in GIMP. I think uh, Linux TV um, channel on YouTube, amazing. I think he does his, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe I remember him saying that as well. Does all his show notes, or uh, show notes. Um, you know, just the what do you call it? The thumbnails for your show that you put on YouTube. He does that all in, in uh, GIMP. And a lot, that's a lot, but a lot of people, why would you pay for Photoshop if that's all you're going to use it for? I'm not a professional photo editor by any means. I'm not, I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not that good at that kind of stuff, but it's a powerful tool to have to accomplish some sort of task with a photo, you know? Um, next one is sync thing. That's uh, spelled S Y N C thing at T H I N G all one word. And it's sync thing.net. I've, completely moved away from Dropbox or any of those type of services in my personal life, even OneDrive. I use OneDrive uh, just maybe as a photo backup, but I'm not paying for anything more than the terabyte that I've, I'm given. And Sync thing is amazing. <laughs> it synchronizes files between two or more computers in real time. And I could take one computer, you know, my home computer, and then a computer, I don't know, that wants another, you know, I could take my wife's computer. I haven't done this with hers, but, and then put sync thing on that computer and choose which folder I want to sync to that computer. And it will always keep it up to date when that computer signs on or, you know, it's online and you could sync right over the internet too. You don't need, but it's not, it doesn't have to go through a centralized server. It doesn't have to, you could put it on a server and then use that as another computer. That's always syncing, I guess. Um, and I have it that set up in that method with my NAS and it's incredible. I have never had it fail a sync and that's going to lead me into my next one. Actually, it's a couple of lines down for another piece of software that I recommend that actually works really well with sync thing. But yeah, I highly recommend that if you don't have, if you're not paying for a syncing service, you don't have to store it on somebody else's server. You do not um, kind of think of it as maybe like a peer to peer thing, I guess. But okay. Next one is green shot. Now this one, I always come back to because I've been recommending it for years, but there's also another one that I kind of use more than GreenShot now, and it's called KSNP, the letter K, and then S-N-I-P, SNP. And both receive regular updates, I believe, and they're open source, because the last time I checked GitHub for KSNPs, it was updated like five days ago. I gotta take this nice sip of tea I'm having right now. And KSNP is, is great. I personally like the annotation features of KSNP much better than GreenShot, especially how fast the blur tool works. 
you can do like that Gaussian blur over um, sensitive information if you want uh, something you took a screenshot of. Maybe it's got your account number, but you want to send it over to you know Chase Bank to say like here's what I, here's the trouble I'm having with my account. And you can blank out something just because you don't want it going over email, for example. But Greenshot is by far more popular, but KSnip is solid, I think, as well. And I do think I like it better. I'm kind of going back and forth. I have it on one computer here. My work computer, I use Greenshot. And my home computer, I have KSnip. So anyways, um, the next one that I was going to say goes hand-in-hand with SyncThing, the way I use it, is Obsidian. That's O-B-S-I-D-I-A-N. Um, the website's obsidian.md stands for markdown which is like a markup language it's real simple ways to bold text and stuff like that anyways i should have mentioned this as my episode announcement because it was a big move for me that i finally accomplished and i was able to trash OneNote at last and i am a lifelong OneNote user i love it i think it's probably i mean it's the most powerful note-taking app by far i i, I really still believe it is you know doing its own thing i guess but paired with SyncThing, I've never had as good of a syncing experience as I have with my Obsidian notes. You know, in OneNote, you still, even even after using the thing for a long time, I still occasionally would run into, you know, this page is ran into a sync issue. Do you want to delete it or merge it or whatever? I've never run into that with Obsidian. Never. And I just... I can open and instantly sync my notes on Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. It's it's available everywhere because they've they've opened it up. I, I think just a couple months ago, you couldn't find the mobile apps unless you were in you know like an insider program and were paying customer. But now they've released it to everybody. You can go in the App Store or the Google Play Store and download Obsidian, then put Sync Thing on your phone. On iOS, let me tell you right now, I could tell you this live because I did not put this in my notes. There's an app that does allow you to use Sync Thing because there's not a direct supported app on iOS. It's called Mobius Sync, M-O-B-I-U-S. I haven't tried it yet, but I downloaded it and I'm going to give it a shot because I also... You know, I have iPhone devices, I have, iOS, I have iPad, right? I have these, I have so many devices that I have to know how to use because I'm supporting tech and understanding a lot of these new technologies. And Obsidian works on the iPhone so far as I can see, which is pretty awesome. So uh, I'll talk a little more about it because it's it's huge for me because I'm still rather a, a rather new Obsidian user when I did everything in OneNote. But for people that are big into graphing things, for example, um, I'm not, but I found out it can do this. Um, It's one of the big selling points on it for some people. Obsidian has an amazing ability to graph out the thoughts, your thoughts and knowledge, I guess. And you can easily find out how one subject relates to another. And picture like these atom looking nodes, like Tinker Toys, I guess, on your screen, where you can highlight over any node to see its connections. And then they kind of just move around. It's really, it's really neat. It looks, it looks interesting even to look at if you don't know what the hell you're looking at. But um, it's kind of cool to see how they all connect. And something that Obsidian team mentions on their website that really caught my attention recently, didn't know this till after I was using it for a little while. And it's sort of hidden at the bottom of the front page. And they mentioned something that I've sort of felt all along regarding proprietary data and how it compares to data that has the freedom inherited from being open and or, or open sourced. Um, they mention, and it's quoted here, I wrote, uh, in our age when cloud services can shut down, get bought, or change privacy policy any day, the last thing you want is proprietary format and data lock-in. 
And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, that's true. <laughs> and um, I mean, then they link a few articles like from The Verge and it's like one note, one time Evernote rival Springpad to close its doors. And it's like, well, all your shit's gone. I mean, that they raised over seven million seven million dollars at the time had around four hundred thousand people using it and it's just yeah they don't just like say goodbye and like shut it down one i mean they give you time i'm sure but <laughs> i mean a lot of things will say our service is closing their doors we regret this by you know it happens with a lot of startups just like a restaurant the restaurant less restaurants close all the time right you know hey my omelet's on the table no you, you get time to walk out right <laughs> so it, it it happens right but the cool thing is it's text. It's plain text. It's markdown. It's text. It can be read with without a compiler or an interpreter. It's there. Y- you see it on your screen. And even if it's not, you know, made into its pretty HTML looking format, you can still read it because it's just asterisks and brackets in mean, just text and text will be readable forever. That's what's cool. It's not proprietary. And that's important. I think it's going to be more important, you know, as time goes on. So, um, yeah, that was real deep, right? Just such a meaningful statement for me. Um, the next one and the last one I'll cover on this episode is M remote. That's Amazon Mary remote N G stands for next generation. It's multi remote next generation. I've been using this for a long time, actually, since the beginning, beginning of my it career. Um, I remember discovering it on some website cause I was like, what's a good tool where I could, I kind of had to Google a lot and just think like, what would be like, the Firefox browser, but with remote connections. And yeah, there's other ones out there, but this one's completely free, open source, no magic happening that you can't see in the background. And I love this tool. So if you have machines that you remote into regularly, like I do, you should give mRemoteNG a try at least. Maybe you want to just type in the server names manually and you remember them all. Yes, I can do that if I sit down and really think, but I like to save time. And think of it as a remote desktop tool all within that one window, just like, you know, a tabbed web browser such as Firefox or Chrome. And yes, there's plugins you can put in Chrome and all that. But no, this serves its one purpose. It lets you remote into multiple protocols within one program. So the protocols that, you know, mRemoteNG supports, uh, let's see, I can pull that up here with my notes program, <laughs> is uh, RDP. That's, that's, you know, generally you'll see in Windows, remote desktop protocol, I guess. VNC, that's um, yeah, a lot of Linux desktops might use that. I have Windows as well, you know, like tight VNC, um, ultra VNC, I guess. I've, we, I use those on a daily basis. SSH, big one. That's a, a terminal, and you can open that right up in mRemote. Telnet, HTTP, R login, and raw socket connections, and even PowerShell remoting. This is kick-ass because, like, more or less, here's how it works. Like, I'll just tell you, like, I'm in M remote, right? I'm, I'm using it one sometimes, and um, it's just, like, minimized, and I bring it up, and I'm like, okay, which server do I need to remote it? Double-click the server, puts in the credentials for you, connects to it. Done. And you can make it so it requests the credentials every time, but it's already hidden, you know, under asterisk. It's not just visible there. And I can connect to, like, five servers. I can just double-click each one I want to connect to. They're opening up in their own tab. They're all remoting in, logging in. That is super efficient. And then I have those servers I can jump between and say, hey, maybe this server is not replicating to this other domain controller. I need to, you know, uh, sync them, sync all, uh, what's it, rep admin sync all. I got to do something like that to get them all to sync, right? And I can just jump between the servers. Okay, sign this server out. I'm done. It's just very efficient. And I don't have like four RDP windows that I maximize and they take up my whole screen and then I have to minimize it and, and, uh, you know, not take over the whole monitor because I do that a lot and I'm, 
I'm like, oh, I forgot that I was in the server right here. This kind of keeps your server life separate from your Windows life really easily. So, you know, I've, it, it, to conclude this episode, I feel like free software makes me feel like my computer is much less dirty and further from being corrupted from greedy software vendors. Now, yes, I support software from like independent vendors and, and you know, such as one, one that I'm running right here and I run it in my everyday life is... Fast Keys. I paid for that, and I promoted it to my listeners for many episodes, and I still believe that is a great program. Uh, great developer. He's responsive, and I think it's good to support you know software companies that let you buy the software and not rent from them. I think that's cool, and, they, and this guy gives you the choice, and, and and that's just my personal opinion, obviously. If you like the rental model, and you, it, 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 I, I believe that there are places for it. It does work good in you know a company setting when you can just shut off somebody's license and stop paying for it, and not you know, you know, what if your company downsizes and you have to, you you, you paid back in the day. I think it was seven hundred dollars, maybe it was three hundred dollars, and for a, an Adobe Basic Acrobat standard license, you're stuck with it. So, I mean, I see there's a time and a place for that. Maybe you just want to try it out. There is a benefit in some ways, but still, somebody has a shutoff switch, and that's what it's come to. And if that shutoff switch or there's a connection problem and your software can't validate, you might be, you know, dead in the water. And I don't know. I can't afford that. So... With that, if you'd like to uh, follow the podcast, please do. If you're a new listener, uh, go to my website. It's randyhanley.com and leave a comment. Feel free to send me an email directly to randy at randyhanley.com. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great weekend.